0: Hey everyone, welcome to Reading with Christine Figgs. I'm your host, Christine, and I am so happy you're here with me today. In today's episode, we will be talking about hood feminism, notes from The Women That a Movement Forgot by Mickey Kendall. On my Instagram, I said that if you've ever claimed to be a feminist, then you need to read this book because it is incredibly eye-opening. This is what the description says. Today's feminist movement has a glaring blind spot, and paradoxically, it is women, Mainstream feminists rarely talk about meeting basic needs as a feminist issue, argues Mickey Kendall. But food security, access to quality education, safe neighborhoods, a living wage, and medical care are all feminist issues. All too, ever, all too often, however, the focus is not on basic survival for the many, but on increasing the privilege of the few. How can we stand in solidarity as a movement, Kendall asks, when there is a distinct likelihood that some women are oppressing others? In her searing collection of essays, Mickey Kendall takes aim at the legitimacy of the modern feminist movement, arguing that it has chronically failed to address the needs of all but a few women. This book, it is so powerful. And here's the deal with this one. It's not really my place to tell you what I think or feel about a black woman's personal experience because I will never have to face the things that she has faced. So what I will tell you about this book is that it's important. And it will absolutely make you question aspects of yourself and your beliefs. I have always proudly called myself a feminist. But after reading this book, even I found areas of my life where I can be doing more. So if you're not ready to shine a light at your own dark corners of privilege, well, I would say this book isn't for you. But if that's the case, then it probably is. We need to have our beliefs questioned from time to time to understand why we feel them so strongly in the first place or when we need to reframe how we look at them. There's so many parts of this book that I would love to share with you, but honestly, you should probably just read the whole book. (laughs) However, there are some lines that are just too powerful not to share. So here we go. In the forward, and take that in for a second, before the book has even already began, Mickey is hitting us with the facts. She says, there's no magic shield in being middle class that can completely insulate you from the consequences of being in a body that's already been criminalized for existing. Wow. The black experience, this is me speaking now, but the black experience, the experience of any person of color is that they have already been deemed other the moment eyes are laid on them. They don't need to do a single thing other than exist to have who they are be used against them. Take that in for a second and just try to imagine what that could possibly feel like. I'm sure whatever you're imagining still falls short. That's no insult to you, that's just a fact because even as I challenge myself to imagine what that felt like, I knew it wasn't enough either. Further along, she goes on to state, I don't and won't pretend to have all of the answers. What I do have is a deep desire to move the conversation about solidarity and the feminist movement in a direction that recognizes that an intersectional approach to feminism is key to improving relationships between communities of women so that that some measure of true solidarity can happen. Erasure is not equality, least of all in a movement that draws much of its strength from the claim that it represents over half the world's population. Yeah. Her entire book is like one-liners that just hit you so hard. When reading this book, you realize with every turning page, not only the struggles that women of color experience, but also the ways in which their struggles benefit other women. How keeping them down lifts others. And it's fucking bullshit. I completely agree with Mickey and how she says that if we don't understand the ways in which the feminist movement moves some women closer to being in a position that they can then oppress others instead of lifting us all up, then we're not paying attention. One of the arguments she makes in the book is, as a woman, do you want to have equality with men so you can use the power they have used against you on others or so that you can use that power to lift up the women beside you? It's a question that, when posed, even I found myself pausing for a second, wondering do I want the same power that a man has so I can enjoy it or so that I can help my fellow women? I mean, it's not. Ultimately, you think one way and then you think another and then you can kind of talk yourself in circles. But what I loved about this book is that it forced you to address it, it forced you to ask yourself the question and figure out your own answer. So, I think that like in the end this book just constantly reveals aspects of yourself that you maybe didn't realize were there that you now have to address um or that you in the end may be proud of because you come to an answer that you think yeah that's exactly how i feel this book took forever to read because after every paragraph or page i'd close it and then sit and thought either in agreement or in understanding just trying to process her experience The chapters break down into different categories, such as hunger, patriarchy, writing about black women, education and housing, each more powerful and informative than the last. And in the end, you find yourself questioning. I'm sorry, what I mean to say is if in the end you find yourself questioning, like I'm a woman, I've had the patriarchy screw me over too, it can't be that different. Then let me share with you this last piece of Mickey's work, because if you aren't a woman of color, I can almost guarantee you haven't had to think about this in such detail. Mickey writes, the demand is that black women police their appearances, speech, and sexuality. There's a cultural pressure to be an upstanding black woman to avoid any behavior that makes black women look bad. We are expected to constantly adjust our own behavior to voice the racist classist and sexist stereotypes other people might assign to us. She later goes on to say, We love a black accent on everyone but black women. Mind you, there's absolutely nothing wrong with sounding black, except that in a culture where respectability politics means that whiteness is rendered as normative, a black girl who speaks with a quote-unquote black accent is judged as less valuable and less intelligent. Code-switching elders teach us to make calls with our best white girl voice. But for those who can't manage to mimic that speech pattern, or who can't maintain it, that accent means the loss of opportunities. Let that sink in for a second. Women of color, and in general people of color, are constantly having to alter their natural state to mimic something they're not because, what, being white, sounding white, dressing white and acting white, for whatever that is, helps be accepted easier? Yeah, I'm here to express just how utter bullshit that all is, and to address the ways in which I unknowingly push the message along as well. I hope you'll join me and do the same, because it's long overdue. It's a conversation that I think people need to be having significantly more often, and this book really brings those issues to light. If you're interested in reading Hood Feminism by Mickey Kendall, you can find it in my online shop, Reading with Christine Figgs, through bookshop.org. The link is in my bio. Tough topics always make me want to focus on joy. Yes, I know that is my privilege speaking and that I even get to walk away and take a break from tough topics because I don't need to live in that space. But I'm here to have the hard realizations and still find joy wherever I can. So today's form of art that I'm sharing is music. I've chosen five songs that to me feel like pure joy. (laughs) They make me want to dance in my underwear type of music and I hope they will do the same for you. Alright, number one. The Letter by Haley Reinhardt. Ooh, this woman's voice is so silky smooth, it's like, well, it reminds me of soft butter. There's no other way to put it. It just reminds me of soft butter. <laughs> Number two, Do I Do by the legendary Stevie Wonder. Oh, when this beat starts playing, I can't help but smile. Number three, Freedom by John Baptiste. Okay, this is one of those songs that while it's blasting, you find yourself moving from space to space of your home because there's really no way to dance to it, but it just makes you want to move. I hope you understand what I'm saying when I say that. (laughs) Number four, Oh My God by Adele. It's on her newest album. When I tell you... That I am currently obsessed with this song, that is no over exaggeration. It has this sultry beginning, but once it picks up, it's definitely dancing in your underwear material. And when that bridge hits, oh, it's just so good. Oh, makes you feel so much. And then number five, Green Light by John Legend. This is one of my all time favorite songs ever. You cannot listen to this without moving around to it. So, those are my five joyful songs at the moment. I think I might even start a reading with Christine Fig's playlist so I can keep adding the song recommendations I share with you to it. Yeah, I think that could be fun. So I think that's all for today. Thank you for spending some time with me and listening to me chat about this book and this music. I hope you've enjoyed it. And until next time, I hope you read. And if you can't, because that's just how life goes sometimes, I hope you enjoy some art in whatever form you find it. Because when life gets difficult, it is art in all of its many forms that can hold us, heal us, and give us hope. I love you all. Happy reading.